1: David
2: Licken. Let's begin.
0: Good to have you with us, everybody. It is Monday, January 18th, 2021, and we are going to have another really interesting podcast. We're focusing our podcast January on Economic and housing forecast. There's so many guests we could have on. We've had Michael Fratt and Tony, who did a great job. We even slipped in a, a survey that was recently done at Panastra. That was last week. This week, we've got our own, very own Les Parker, who also does his annual forecast. So then we also have Barry Habib, who is going to give us his market survey. We're recording that this week and sharing it with you on our podcast. You may do that one as a special because we've got some other interesting stuff going on in February. We're we're going to launch in February, talking about how to survey, how to stay in touch with your customer. It's going to be a real interesting discussion. And also we're going to do a whole series on recruiting. I think that's an important part, especially whether it be loan originators or underwriters. Recruiting is a topic that has been requested of us a lot. And so we love meeting our listeners' needs. If you have things that you want us to talk about, please email me or text me. You can text me at 512-632-2900. You can get on LinkedIn. A lot of stuff comes to me by LinkedIn, David Licken, as well as David at tms advisorscom We look forward to hearing from all of you, and we're so honored to have you as our listeners. Again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for you, Mortgage professionals and some realtors and others that listen in. And we're so grateful to have you as our listener. Our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you listen to anytime and anywhere. Again, we got Les Parker is the managing director of Transformational Mortgage Solutions, our consulting firm. He's a partner of the business. Glad to have him coming on, giving his macro outlook on the industry we're also going to have his update here in just a minute also I want to say a special thank you to IndustrySyndicate.com. check out all the podcasts there as well as mortgagemedia.com Pleased to be a part of them also we want to say a special thank you to our sponsors starting off with the mortgage bankers of association of America we had Michael Frantoni as a guest, did a great job also finaster we had last week Dan Putney as our guest did a great job on that talking about the survey as well as lenders one and the Mortgage Collaborative, these two co-ops do a great job of helping lenders and vendors get together in a more intimate setting and actually meet and talk about some of the issues. So it's really both of these organizations do a great job. encourage you to check out both of them. We're members of both and each have a slightly different focus, but they basically are doing the same thing for the lender members. Also, Community Mortgage Lenders of America, listen to the interview we did on September 21st with Michael Jones, as well as Indicom. And Indicom does a great job with their bot genius that they have that automates the middle office mortgage operations. And you can find a link in our website to that as we really appreciate our relationship with Indicom. They do a great job for many, many of our clients. Bot genius. Indicom's bot genius. Suite of new middle office automation solutions. Check it out. Also, Incelerate. Josh Friend does a great job helping you connect with your borrowers and with mortgage expertise and pre-designed campaigns that allow you to have a more meaningful engagement with the borrower. Also celebrity home loans growing like crazy through acquisitions, as well as knowledge Coop, mobility, RE and Modix. Both of these do a great job of helping you recruit. We're going to begin talking about recruiting. We're going to be involving them in that series of podcasts as we go into it. Also Velma, Vendorsurf, Vidyard. Check out all of these on our sponsor webpage, our website. So good to have you with us. Also a special thank you to Alice, Alan, Matt for their contributions each and every week. Let's get out and get the MBA Mortgage Minute from Rob Van
3: Raphorst. Hi, I'm Rob Van Rapport. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last Thursday, the Treasury Department and FHFA released an amendment to the Preferred Stock Purchase Agreements governing the conservatorship of the GSEs. This amendment was widely expected as the GSEs were nearing the point at which they no longer would be permitted to build their capital reserves. MBA CEO Bob Brooksman released a statement applauding MBA-supported policy reforms in the amendment while also noting that certain elements of the amendment must be further analyzed to determine their market impact impact. MBA has engaged in extensive advocacy in recent months to ensure that any amendments to the PSPAs would not disrupt the mortgage market through a premature release of the GSEs from conservatorship. This outcome was successfully avoided. Also last week, President-elect Joe Biden announced the American Rescue Plan to provide COVID-19 vaccinations and additional economic assistance. The proposed $1.9 trillion legislation includes a broad array of new federal funding, small business support, and specific measures that impact housing. That's it for now. Thanks for joining me.
0: Good job, Rob. Love to thank you, MBA, for all that you do to keep our industry in tune to what's representing us on the Hill. And that is no small task, but as diverse as our membership is. And speaking of membership, you should become a member of Mortgage Bankers Association of America. Also, be sure to sign up for the Mortgage Action Alliance. You can do so at the website. Also, go to the App Store and sign up for Mortgage Action Alliance or Maw. You can have your voice heard right from your smartphone. Les Parker is here live, but before we listen to him live in the hot topic segment, we're going to listen to what he and Gary Canterbury bone produce each and every week, and then we're going to be really diving into in the hot topic segment. What is the meaning behind some of the songs and why he does some of the things he does? But let's listen to this week's macro view of the markets. Les TM Spotlight
1: Soundbite is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. Win. When stocks fall at arm, heat again,
0: and the vultures all start, circling, they're signaling. We're out of time, but will bonds rise? COVID-19 and fiscal policy capture the market's attention. Will deflation emerge as a risk again, or does global growth spark higher than forecasted inflation? With the dollar poised for modest short-term gains, look for rates to drop about an eighth. But the long-term U.S. fundamentals and monetary policy point to a weaker dollar, higher inflation, and higher rates. Expect an uneven path, but don't be surprised, bonds will still rise. These views are my own. Want more? Go to TMSpotlight.com. You want more? Just stay to the hot topics segment because we're going to dive into that and a lot more. I love the music parodies that uh, Les works with. How much time does he spend trying to figure that out and mixing that in? It's a a lot of work. I appreciate it. So good to have him with us. Alice Alvey is here live, and she is past COVID. So pleased to hear the good health report and that no one else around you got it. So good to have you with us, Alice Alvey. She is CMB Vice President of Education Training at Union Home Mortgage, and she's got this week's legislative update alice
2: hey dave and i'm so excited to have less on the show that i know i'm going to need to leave lots of extra time <laughs> so <laughs> especially on economics right which he's so knowledgeable yeah. of so i just want to follow up on my last report it wasn't last week it was the week before I had talked a little bit about the Federal Housing Finance Agency's request for information on the appraisal-related policies and practices. I still think this is a really big one. Lenders need to get their voice heard on how this might, some options that might benefit the industry, things that we think are a concern. And then subsequently, I wanted to point out today, since it is Martin Luther King Day, and I always like to make sure we talk about our industry and how we are doing as far as fair lending And an interesting aspect of this RFI is whether or not there appears to be any discrimination or impact to appraisals that are negatively impacting certain high minority areas. And are these neighborhoods being negatively impacted by either appraisal waiving or just the way appraisers may be viewing one neighborhood over another? So it's an interesting aspect of this particular request for information. And so the verbiage that they use in here, I think is interesting. So if you can bear with me for just a minute, I'm going to read right from the RFI. So these are not my words. This is right from the RFI that it says a 2018 Brookings Institute Study found systematically lower median listing prices in majority black zip codes. Studies also show that there may remain significant disparities in valuations for properties in minority neighborhoods, despite financial efforts by the appraisal community to improve appraisal and valuation methodologies. So there's some great reading in here to really take a look at are there differences, right? If you had two like neighborhoods right by each other, are the appraisers going farther away for a comp and taking racial composition into the discussion or into their evaluation to either keep a value higher or a value lower? And this is something that FIFA is looking for information on. So as we all need to take time to look at these RFIs, every company should be responding to this type of information. Certainly take a look at the appraisal aspect of it, but on today's day, in honor of Martin Luther King Day to provide real information on Does there appear to be disparity still in the appraisal process that needs to be addressed? So that's my message for today, Dave.
0: Yeah, but this is such a special day. I I respect that man so much. And you read so many things about him and the sense of humor that he had. That was one of the things because he came off rather serious. But when you're with him one on one, what a wonderful and amazing sense of humor. And literally moments before he was shot and tragically killed, they were talking about the joking that was going on. In the hotel room just beforehand. So tremendous respect to that amazing, iconic leader of our nation. And so, yes, happy MLK Martin Luther King Day. And we do honor him. Thank you, Alice, so much for bringing his name up. Now Let's get on over to our good friend, Alan. Pollock is here with the tech update.
1: Alan, what you got? Hey there, David and everybody. I feel like I always say TGIM, but we only do the podcast on Mondays. So TGIM. <laughs> yep. So anyways, let's move along. So our first vision, technology we don't hear much about. I saw it in, I think, one of the NBA or Next Mortgage News or one of those emails. They have new pricing plans. Um, not a big news thing, but you know why it's important? Because it's a technology solution. You can't do reverse mortgages without technology, I believe. <laughs> Anyways, if you're going to do reverse mortgages, you got to have the technology to support it, especially if you're going to be efficient and you're going to know how to correctly do it. So take a look at reverse vision. New topic, by the way, Black Knight Financial introduced something called Seller Digital. It's a correspondent lending platform. They support two-way communication between the seller and the purchaser. It includes all of their technology, their decisioning technology, their AI technology, integrated well into their platform platform. They've got all the right parts to make this happen, so to many other vendors out there, but being a sponsor of our program, I wanted to make sure that we mentioned this. I haven't seen it myself, but check it out. Black Knight has a, a new correspondent lending platform. Regora, David, we talked about Regora in the past. They just yeah. raised $30 million in a Series B, $45 million total since since start. It was just led by a company called Spark Capital who was mentioned that they also invested in companies like Twitter, Wayfair, Plaid, and Slack. When you look at something like $30 million, what do you do with $30 million? Believe it or not, it goes fast. The article didn't talk about if there was any kind of debt or anything like that, but I'll tell you, it said that they want to support technology and engineering investments to scale the company. What does that mean, right? For some of you folks listening, you may be wondering, why do you need $30 million for that? Well, if you think about it, to scale a company, you need sales. You need to be able to expand your infrastructure, and you need integrations. You need to be able to provide well integrations. It's great to have technology. It's hard if you can't integrate with everybody, and you can't offer that universal kind of workflow. So I'm not saying specifically that's what they need, but when you ask the question, what does $30 million do when you say you want to support technology and engineering investments to scale, that's what it does. Likely hiring support, likely putting better disaster recovery parts in place, and then probably building out new features and technology as the industry is changing and there's more need. We know that the appraisal process is still ripe for technology and it's going through a transformation. So hats off to Regora, $30 is a nice investment. Platinum Visa, by the way, last week called off the acquisition deal. Actually, Visa called off the acquisition deal. There's been some scrutiny around it as to is it a good deal or not? Like, Can it be done? The regulators weighed in, and I think Visa broke it off. There's going to be a lot of legal fees. What I read is that the deal could happen, but it's going to be a difficult road to drive down. So the reality is they called it off. Who knows what the true reasons were?
0: Antitrust issues possibly there. I didn't get that.
1: but Yeah. I, I read the same thing. I, I didn't go deep enough into it, but the deal's called off. Now, the next thing here, and we could talk about Plaid another day. I've got some feedback and interesting things on Plaid, but uh, Citus AMC. So they've done four total acquisitions in the last six months. They just acquired... A company called ready price which is a, a product and pricing engine in our industry it's on the newer side of ppe's uh they're looking to expand into mlo tech the deals that they've done they acquired a company called r squared which is commercial real estate validations evaluations mm-hmm. they acquired a company called uh, cone financial servicing and asset management they have a platform called Truist, it's commercial right. real estate servicing and they mm-hmm. also acquired logic ease from compliance ease So they're on the move. They're doing some stuff. I think there's a lot of folks in our industry right now that are on the move. Remember we talked about last week, David, about the acquisitions going on. I said, I think it's more of going to be people rolling up other technology solutions. There's a perfect example. So Citus AMC, if you're a user or you're interested in what they're doing, go check them out. We've done some interesting stuff there. To, To tail off our segment, remember last week, David, I said one of the words, right, is DevOps. And it's a word that us as lenders, if you're listening as a lender... You have to make sure that you know and understand how your vendors are managing and handling DevOps. We talked about making sure that you're up to snuff for 2021 due diligence and your vendors and you know what's going on. DevOps is the process in which it's not software development. It's the process in which the infrastructure, the the servers, the systems are all in place for your vendors or for yourself if you have technology. And no longer is the head engineer managing the servers or making sure the database is running correctly and the disaster recovery plan is placed. These positions have expanded. And some point last year, we talked about the difference between a CIO and a CTO. Well, nowadays, CIOs have taken over a good portion for DevOps, where in difference, CTOs have taken over the development. And depending on the size right. of your organization, you may break those roles out. But for your vendors, your vendor due diligence. You want to make sure that there is a DevOps plan in place, and that includes disaster recovery. You want to make sure you understand what true downtimes are, how frequent software upgrades are occurring. Those are all part of DevOps. And if you need to have a specific DevOps contract with your vendors or you want to upgrade that, especially mm-hmm. with your point of sale vendors, because yep. you have that one time shot experience with borrowers. You want to make sure you're maintaining. So DevOps is a really big key. If we get a lot of feedback, I can dive into it deeper in a further episode. But for now, David, that's it for today's update. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you for listening. You know how to meet me. It's alan, A-L-L-E-N, at T-M-S hyphen advisors.com. Yeah.
0: Thanks, Alan. Good job. And DevOps can go beyond just technology, although it is... Pretty much dedicated to technology, but I was talking to someone else, one of my clients today earlier, about DevOps and is looking at developing your operations in a much bigger way and having a much broader perspective on that. So, good job. Appreciate it, Alan. So, I wanted to get more, Matt, from you. So, let's review what happened last week and what do you think we can look forward to this week? Down to market business.
4: So, uh, we probably all know bonds were in a bit of trouble heading into last week, and that really was a factor of political momentum coming out of the previous week. So that was the Georgia Senate election. We've talked a lot about that control flipping. Democrats in the Senate means easier to pass legislation, potentially upsize stimulus, and that incurs more Treasury issuance, upward pressure on rates due to supply and demand. And that momentum was still intact at the beginning of last week. So, Monday and then Tuesday morning, yields pushed to new multi month highs, highest levels since March 2020 on both Monday and Tuesday. And there was a chance, we were holding out hope for this on MBS Live, saying for those of you that are really big risk takers, you might consider tactically floating here because now we're oversold and now we do definitely have the possibility of a bounce coming out of the auction cycle. But that looked a little bit grim on Tuesday. Thankfully, though, Right after the 10-year treasury auction at 1 p.m. on Tuesday, yields bounced in a noticeable way, probably noticeable enough at the time that we could say, okay, here's where buyers are coming in and buying the dip in prices. Or, so it would seem, there are two reasons you can see a sharp rally like that. One is that you have buyers that have said, okay, yields have gotten high enough, prices have gotten low enough, I'm going to jump in and buy that dip. But the other reason is that you had a bunch of people betting on higher rates from the previous week, and they need to book their profits now, and they might do it surrounding the auction process. So if they had bet on rates moving higher, then to cover those short bets, they will need to buy bonds, AKA short covering. And that can give the appearance of a nice rally that isn't really a rally. And there's still some potential that that is the driving force behind that bounce because it didn't really get insanely better. We didn't stampede under 1.1 in 10-year yields, although we were at 1.08 to end a week last week. But you know, this is a new reality for the bond market, and it's not going to be easy for yields to drop back to where they were in 2020. And kind of to cross that bridge over to outlook and analysis, the big question is whether or not rates have turned a corner in the bigger yeah. picture. And I think that there has been and continues to be A really big risk that those of us in the mortgage industry, especially those of us that focus too much on mortgage rates and MBS prices, can sort of miss the warning signs that have been going on in the broader bond market. Because if you look at a chart of 10 year yields, good old fashioned, simple 10 year yields, it's very apparent that there was a bounce at the beginning of August and that the trend has been almost a perfect straight line aiming toward gradually higher yields. Notably, Dave, that is exactly what you would expect given what coronavirus did to the economy to rates and where we're hopefully going in 2021 based on vaccines and right. what i'm witnessing and you're probably seeing there in texas as well probably sooner than i saw it here in oregon is a willingness on the part of businesses to adapt and keep the economy moving in light of various restrictions and changes in consumer behavior so if that economic data can stay relatively resilient by the time vaccines get uh, more prolific. You have even guys like Fed Chair Powell saying we could be back to full employment a lot sooner than we thought. And that is a, a comment that kind of gave Bond a little bit of a jolt last Friday. He also said they're focused on getting back to a strong labor market, and he thinks we can get back there much sooner than we feared. We're not living the downside case that was contemplated back in March, and we could be back to the old economic peak fairly soon. So all of these Powell comments sort of rattled bonds a little bit on Friday afternoon, and they're a good reminder. So getting back to that sort of uh, misdirection play for mortgage people is that mortgage rates haven't told nearly the same story as 10-year treasury yields. I've given this warning a few times on the podcast, and but we are seeing, indeed, those lender margins and the spreads between mortgage rates and 10-year uh, treasury yields and between mortgage rates and MBS yields tighten up enough that when treasury yields pop higher, now mortgage rates are much more willing to follow. And that was definitely the case two weeks ago. It was the case again on Monday morning. And now we're sort of in limbo, waiting to see what the next move is going to be. Economic data standpoint, one really stellar part of last week, and it's both a blessing and a curse, was the super high refi apps number. And the reason it might be not necessarily a curse, right? But It's not necessarily what it seems because it could simply be driven by people getting off the fence due to the rate spike. So we'll have to see how that number comes in this week. It'll be same time as always, 7 a.m. on Wednesday. We have more housing reports this week, but not a ton of big market movers. But in general, it's just a pretty quiet week in terms of the calendar. Bond traders will be, I guess, giving us a clue as to whether or not we are going to consolidate more in this recent range or if we're going to find the inspiration to make a move. I think the inspiration for the next move is going to come from uh, the details that emerge on stimulus talks because that's one of the easiest ways to trade treasuries is when you know that there's going to be a big adjustment to either supply or demand. That's why the Fed moves great so much when they come in with bond buying or leave. And uh, that's why Trump moved markets so much in 2016 because it flipped control to Republicans. They were going to have an easier time passing legislation that was going to affect Treasury issuance by the tax bill. And that's why markets moved so much for the same reason when Democrats took control with the Georgia Senate election. So this is just another iteration of something that affects Treasury issuance. Very easy
0: way, cause and effect, binary choice for the right. bond market. So did you have any Questions. I see that on Wednesday we have the MBA Purchase Index, uh, Refinance Index, which should be going down as we see rates increase. That will be interesting. But also the housing yeah. starts numbers. And what are your thoughts on housing? I'm sitting here looking at your chat board, and it's just excellent. So the a lot of the normal, usual people that are in there chatting away. And kudos to them to do that to use this feature. What are you seeing as some trends and themes developing in the chat market as we look forward into 2021? Is our optimism? Seems to be a fair amount of optimism there. And then looking at the data on the economic calendar, it's coming up on housing. I'd like Future Reflections on Board. Sure.
4: I think that there is still some follow through to be had in the purchase market in terms of that momentum and COVID forcing a reassessment of people's priorities there. And I don't think it's going to unwind very rapidly. But the nice thing there, potentially a little bit of, I don't know, something we have in our back pocket that might come back to help us a little bit is a lot of people might not have been shopping as aggressively, and more importantly, listing their homes as readily Mm -hmm. as they might once uh, vaccines come out. So more supply and maybe a little bit more demand, although it certainly hasn't kept a lot of people I know from shopping, and couple that with potentially a brighter economic outlook. And what I see as a demand situation that isn't going to subside simply because COVID goes away. In other words, COVID changed some preferences, and I don't think it's going to unchange them when it's all right. there. I think a yep. realization It's an awakening, and it sort of shuffles the deck as far as homebuyer preferences. There is some optimism in the chat as long as rates stay in this range, but I right. think your average MBS Live user and probably your average savvy loan originator understands that 2020 was an exceptional year. We're not likely to have another one of those anytime soon. We will have another one at some point. Rates will be at even lower lows at some point. We'll have mortgage rates in the 1% high ones at some point in our lifetimes, probably. And it's impossible to say if that's in two three years or a decade or more. It could be either. But I think 2021 is not going to be the year 2020 was, And that's probably one of the easiest economic calls as far as outlooks go. The nice thing for people that like low rates is it could be challenging to get the economy back to pre-COVID levels in terms of employment, because we're still so short in terms yeah. of the total number of payrolls. Unemployment rate's doing good, and that might fall lower, but the the total number of jobs out there is still roughly 10 million short of pre-COVID levels. And if we're only adding a couple hundred grand a month, that's not, obviously, we're not going to be there in 2021. So that comment is a little bit mystifying when Powell said that last week. That helps keep a lid on rates. And if for whatever reason, something kind of bad happens, and maybe the stock market corrects a little bit because rates went higher, then that all acts as sort of a natural, self-fulfilling prophecy of slowing down the momentum of higher rates. We saw that in grand fashion in late 2018 when stocks started tanking, it fed on itself and there was momentum coming out of stocks into bonds. And some people would argue the whole reason stocks began correcting was because rates had gotten so high, or at least that argument was made by some. So that could be uh, repeating a little bit in 2021. I think purchase market's going to stay good, refi market's going to yep. tighten up, and uh, yep. the economy will be dictated by how we get through COVID and vaccination and Really, where the, the chips fall in terms of which job losses are permanent. And maybe there'll be some entirely new sectors
0: coming out of this that will yeah.
4: help offset that.
0: So, a lot going on. Matt, thank you so much for being here. Let me rearrange your segment or to the end because I wanted to get that as a kind of tee up for what we're going to get into in the Hot Topic segment. But I'm very grateful for your participation. I love your heart to stay as middle road as possible and, and stay focused on what we need to be focused on. And you do a great job of that with MBS Live. Dot net. For those of you that want to get subscribed, you should. There's an extended trial period if you put in LOL in the sign-up code area. So, Matt, thanks so much for making that available to our listeners. Folks, that wraps up the first part of our program. Next week, we've got Doug Duncan joining us. Doug is the Chief Economist for the Fannie Mae. We're bringing out his 2020, 2021 Housing and Economic Forecast. So be sure to come back next week. And thank you so much for tuning in. Special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, Indicom, Incelerate, Mobility RE, Modex, and so many more. Check out our sponsorship page. Have a great week, everybody. and look forward to having you back here next week.